What's up everybody? My name is Lavelle Hewitt and I am your host of Do It In The Dark, a podcast that focuses on introspection and accountability. How to pick yourself apart and put the pieces back together. So take this journey with me as we redefine who we are, how we got here, and move confidently toward the future. Do It In The Dark is an opinion-based podcast based on research, statistics, and my personal views. These comments are not represented by any political, religious, or government entities. The views expressed on this show are mine and mine alone. Welcome to Do It In The Dark. As the intro stated, I am your host, Lavelle Hewitt, and we are a podcast that focuses on introspection and accountability, and uh, I feel very excited to discuss the topic tonight, leadership. Um, as a new business owner, I feel it's important for us to cover this because I want you guys to truly understand the X's and O's of, of, of building a business are very simple. The tangible things that you put in place to run your company and you know and, and, and actually execute from a sales and service perspective as it relates to the products that you that you uh, that you put out. That's the easy part. The hard part comes when people really don't know how to treat other people. People don't know how to manage other people, right? And so things kind of get misconstrued. Things get thrown out of proportion. And bad things can happen. So tonight, I want to talk to you all about leadership. And I'll dive into, you know, there's two articles I came across in doing some research for this topic. And I wanted to make sure that I was able to give you all something to do some homework with. If you go to the YouTube channel, we want you to subscribe. Please subscribe to Do It In The Dark, the podcast on YouTube. And you can listen to the podcast on, you know, wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Google Podcasts are my two favorite places to kind of put out there. Um, but the YouTube aspect, you can go back and you can kind of slow it down, take notes, go through the description, and you can get to the articles yourself. And that's what I, would, I really want people to make sure they spend time doing. Go to YouTube, listen to the videos, watch the videos, but go through the descriptions and take down the information so that you can you know, use it uh, at different times. So, I felt there was that this topic was important because everybody who starts a business, whether you want to or not, you will be a leader of a team. Everybody who starts a business will be a leader of a team. I had to say it twice because I want you to get that. It is important for you to understand that there are different leadership styles and depending on your audience or what's going on, it should dictate or it will dictate what type of style you use and what type of manager of people you become. So tonight we're going to talk about what type of leader are you, then we're going to talk about 
10 ways to become a better leader. I'm only going to get into three of those. I want, it's three of those aspects that I want to talk about in terms of three ways to become a better leader. The article gave you 10, and I put the 10 uh, in, the, in the description, but there's three I want to highlight for you all throughout this uh, in this episode. And then there are seven styles of leadership. So I want to break down all seven styles. We're going to go through each one. And then I'll tell you out of the seven, which of them I use as I deal with my staff and why. And so that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. So I wrote a quote in preparing for this episode because I think it's important for us to touch on our past experiences and bring our experiences to the table to make us better people. So the quote goes, there's nothing worse than you being a leader of people and you can't or you will not help them. I'm going to read that again. There's nothing worse than you being a leader of people and you can't or you will not help them. I've been in situations, I started my professional career, I say at the age of 19 when I was working for IBM and I worked in their call center I was in tech support and we worked after hours and one of the biggest things that I've always kept with me was the person who was my direct supervisor she knew the role as well so if we needed help she would jump in You know, in a call center, if anybody's ever worked in a call center environment, the calls come back to back, rapid fire. Sometimes you don't even get a break. And you got the call queue that you can look at (laughs) and you can see like, damn, there's 10 calls waiting. And they've been waiting for the last 15 minutes. So you're doing your best trying to go through your calls, following protocols and help people out, right? But a good manager in that environment, a good manager has three things that they are good at. One, they are aware of the call queue. They know how many calls are waiting, right? Because that affects your numbers as a team. They are properly staffed because it's all about staffing when you wanna make sure that you hit those numbers in a call center. And then the third thing is they know the job function as well. They know how to do the job. So if they see, okay, we are properly staffed, but we may have one or two people on break, you know, that's no big deal. I will put on a headset and I will take these calls. That is direct leadership in that environment. I am of the belief that if you are starting a business As best you can, you need to have some familiarity with every aspect of how your business is supposed to run. So I'll take myself, for example, I'm in a hospice business. I own two home hospice companies. And although there are some things that I can't do from a clinical aspect, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor. So those two things are out of my scope of practice and understanding. I am very familiar 
because I pay attention to my nurses and my doctors who work for us. I pay attention to what we are supposed to be doing as a collective. So if I'm ever engaged with a patient or family member who has questions about the role of the doctor, the nurse, social worker, chaplain, all of those are credentialed uh, positions, right? And I don't have the, the background of any of those credentialed positions. I can still talk to the family intelligently and say, I'm sure that the social worker will do X, Y, and Z according to her scope of practice, expertise, and we'll make sure we get that handled for you. I can speak intelligently about what needs to happen. And that's all sometimes you, you, I mean, sometimes that's all you can do is speak intelligently about what it is. But when there are opportunities for you to be hands-on in the environment, in the trenches with your staff, as a leader of people, in a business that has your name on it, you need to know what everybody's doing. Period, point blank. And you need to know the personalities of the people that work for you so that you can be the right type of leader that they need in that situation. So, today I want to talk to you about What are some of the ways that you can become a better leader? So as I stated earlier, the article gave 10 ways to become a better leader, but there are three that I want to talk about. The first one is engage in honest and open communication. One of the most important elements of effective leadership is creating an open line of communication with your team members, with your clients, with your families, with your with your vendors, whoever you do business with or whoever is entrusting you with doing business with them, you need to have good open communication. I know for me, and from a personal perspective, and I want to make this very intimate, so I'm going to give you guys some some tidbits about how I run my company. The staff, I always tell them, you don't work for me. We work, we all work for the patients and their families. So yes, the lines of communication are open. And yes, I may own the company, but on any given day, I am answering the phones. I'm speaking with families. I'm delivering supplies. I'm calling uh, the pharmacy to make sure that uh, meds are going out. I'm doing whatever I need to do to help my team. And if there's a mistake or something happened because people make mistakes, as a team, whoever can get to the ball first handles the ball. And that's just a saying we that's a saying we have. It doesn't matter, like, oh, that's not my job. Whoever can get to the ball first is the person who picks the ball up and runs with it. That is team leadership. Because at the end of the day, you don't work for me. You work for the patient and their family. 
So yes, we we have a very open aspect of communication under and also under Medicare guidelines. We meet and we discuss these patients on a daily basis. So we're following our protocols and it is just a part of the fabric of how we operate as a company. Number two, connect with your team. Number two, connect with your team. Leading a group of people requires a mutual sense of trust and understanding between the leader and your staff. To achieve this, leaders should be able to connect, be reachable, right? There are a lot of times as an owner, I get busy, I'm in meetings, I have literally two cell phones. My team can contact me anytime, 24 hours a day. I am always on call, even on vacation, because at the end of the day, if a patient or a family has a question, they need to be able to talk to somebody. And even though the way we structure in home hospice care, we have nurses on call 24 hours a day to go out and visit with patients if, if they need to, or there's a nurse on call that can triage and talk to the families and give them some guidance over the phone. But I take call every day because I want to make sure that I am in the loop and I understand. When the phone rings, I want the families to understand rather. When the phone rings here, you're going to talk to somebody who cares about what's going on for your loved one. So yes, I connect with my team. Number three, encourage personal and professional growth. I think out of the 10 aspects of being a leader, this is most important. When you start a business and you find good people to put on to, to build, as you're building your team, nobody starts working for you with the mindset that I'm going to work for Lavelle for the rest of my life. Everybody got goals and aspirations, man. Everybody has an outlook and an idea of what professional growth looks like. So it's, it's not just something that is, you know, familiar to you or specific to you because you're the one with the company. That is a momentary thing. So, yeah, it may be. Uh, a very gifted nurse that's working for my company at the moment but I need to make sure that I encourage her for her personal and professional growth. Hey, what is it you're looking to do? You want to be a clinical director? Are you looking to stay in hospice? If you're looking to move up and you can't move up with me, I have contacts in the industry. Let me help you. When you show that you are invested in the personal and professional growth of people that work for you, they will see you as an ally and they will work harder because they, they know you have their best interests at heart. 
And most times, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for buy-in from people. We're not looking for people that we have to stay on their back and micromanage. Those days are long gone, man. Being an effective leader is one, being able to, in my opinion, let me, let me give you my personal aspects of what I think good leadership looks like. As a leader of people, number one is identifying talent. Do you know who is really good at their job? And when you find them, you need to make them a part of your team and give them the autonomy to grow with your team, to lead the team as well, and teach them how to lead the way that you want your company to be ran. And give them voice, give them flexibility, autonomy to grow, like all of those things are developed in the relationship between you and that person who is extremely gifted and skilled in a certain certain field. When you surround yourself with competent, capable people, you learn from them. A good leader can also follow, or a good leader can also learn. You don't always have to be in charge. The one thing about a poor leader is they have to always tell you that they are in charge. There's nothing wrong with you and your staff walk into a room and nobody knows who's the who's the manager. They just know that this is the team that supports their family, right? Nobody's looking for you to walk in and have a badge that says, I'm the CEO. I know for me, when I walk into a place, somebody's home, because in my industry, we do end of life care for people who have terminal illness and those who have life limiting illnesses and they can no longer do things for themselves. So when I walk into somebody's house and their loved one has a terminal illness, they've been given the prognosis of six months or less to live. The last thing they want to hear me say is, yes, I'm the CEO of this company. Nobody give a damn about that. That ain't the time or place, man. They want to know who's going to take care of my loved one. So being a leader is knowing when to when to lead, when to follow, when to jump in and get your hands dirty, when to participate, right? There are times you just need to be part of the team and let's all get this done so we can go home or that we can satisfy and make sure we, you know, get the right results. But also identifying being a good leader is understanding different leadership styles. So I'm going to tell you the styles and then we'll break them down. There are seven leadership styles in this article I found on Micro Mentor, which is a great site. Um, I get a lot of business information and I pass them on to people that I 
that I mentor are people that I speak with who are newbies in the entrepreneur realm of, of, of starting their businesses and they have a lot of questions. I get a ton of information from different business sites that I pass on. Some of this stuff is not just it's not just okay to pass on to people, but some of it needs to be broken down. You know, uh, my background is education, so I understand everybody doesn't read with comprehension. So you may give somebody literature to read and they may not understand it. So some people need the information to be, you know, explained to them or broken down. But what I'm, the point I'm making is this site has great information for new entrepreneurs to help them put together a plan of execution. So in this article, it states there are seven styles of leadership, one of, one of you know, which I follow succinctly because of the type of business I'm in. I use it on a daily basis, and we'll break that one down in a second. But it's seven styles of leadership. Which one are you? There's transactional leadership, transformational leadership, there's servant leadership, then there's democratic leadership, autocratic leadership, bureaucratic leadership, and laissez-faire leadership. All right, so let's talk about these different leadership styles. We'll go back to number one, transactional. What does transactional mean? Transactional leadership is mostly found in sales-oriented positions that has uh, incentivized outcomes. So transactional leadership is when you incentivize the results for your employees. So it, it may it may not just be sales, but it is mostly found in a sales-oriented industry. An example of transactional leadership is for employees, if you meet your goal of, you know, five sales in a month, you get a bonus for that month. If you supersede that that number, then there's more attached to it, more money attached to your, you know, your regular pay. So in essence, you will have a set wage, right? And then you'll have a bonus on top of that. That is transactional leadership. And it works in different aspects. I think it's a very uh, powerful form of leadership. And I think in the sales environment, it is motivational because people are self-motivated by their results. And if they're rewarded for those results, then yeah, it makes sense to, 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 uh, to put that in place. The next leadership role, uh, style, is transformational leadership. Transformational leadership. Like we talked about a minute ago, that goes hand in hand with encouraging personal and professional growth. Somebody may come into your company on a lower tier, uh, bottom, you know, uh, entry level position, but that person has ideas and, and, and they want to move up in the company. How can you help them to transform into different roles? 
So transformation leadership is, hey, let's do some cross training. Let's try to make sure that you know as much about this business as possible so that that will expedite your growth with the company. That's transformation leadership. Number three is servant leadership. Servant leadership is putting the needs of everybody else ahead of of your needs. But it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're putting everybody in front of you. It just basically states that you are doing what is needed for everybody else, right? Servant leadership style can be very effective model by empowering your team and boosting morale. The servant leadership style means prioritizing the needs of your team above all else. That's the official definition. I had to pull it up. I wanted to make sure that I was articulating that properly for you guys. Now, servant leadership is something I use with my team. It's something I use with my team and the families that we that we are that we care for. Like the definition said, it says servant leadership style means that you prioritize the needs of your team above all else. So for me, I take it a little bit further. Prioritize the needs of my team and our patients above all else. So let me explain why I do that. It is a privilege for me to own a company where it is our job to take care of people in the most delicate aspects of life. Not all people die on our service, but a great number of people know that when they sign up for home hospice care, they are approaching a trans, uh, a transformational period in their lives. They are in transition. So yes, I am in an industry where it is my job to serve those patients and their families. And by proxy, of course, I I have to serve my team to make sure they have everything they need to do the best job to then serve the patients and their families. That's it. So I subscribe to the servant leadership style. Absolutely. I want those people to walk away with an experience and I say those people meaning anybody who hears my name and understand that I am affiliated with this company in the role of leadership, I want you to walk away from it with the experience that that guy did everything he, he could. Lavelle did what he said he was gonna do. It was two o'clock in the morning. He bought syringes, you know, catheters, whatever was needed. He delivered it for, for my mom. I'll never forget that. He showed up. That is me being a servant leader for the company. The next leadership style is called democratic leadership. Democratic leadership is an ex- 
uh, is an extremely effective leadership style because it empowers team members at all levels to feel empowered with the organization. I believe people should have input, especially if you are at the top. You're the you're the you are the manager, right? You are the executive director, the administrator, CEO, whatever title that fits you in your industry. But if you're not in the field or in the trenches having to do the work, that can be a gift and a curse. It's a gift because that means you have gifted people working for you and they are good at their job so you don't have to do the job, right? But it can be a curse because now you are one step removed from doing the job. So if you are removed from doing the job, wouldn't it make sense that you would take input from those on your team who actually do the job? That is called democratic leadership. When they come to me and say, hey, Lobel, this is what we do every day. This is part of our policy. Maybe we should update or change because of X, Y, and Z. It's my job to say, you know what? I think that makes sense. I think we should do that. That's a great idea. Let me see how we can put that into play. Okay? So the next leadership style is called autocratic leadership. This leadership style is one of the least effective ways of practicing leadership. In this style, the leader makes decisions without taking input from anybody, other partners. They don't listen to other partners. They don't listen to outside advice. They make the decisions. And they make the decisions at the, you know, at the sacrifice of those who have to execute those decisions. That is called autocratic leadership. And in most industries, it is not effective because the days of you do what I tell you to do is long gone. Everything is shifting now to this is a team environment, a team atmosphere. And if it's a team atmosphere, yeah, you may be the coach, but input is always accepted and wanted. Right? You nobody should want to make all of the decisions by themselves, especially if you're not doing all of the job functions by yourself. The next style, leadership style, would be bureaucratic leadership. In my opinion, it's another ineffective leadership style. Because unlike the autocratic leadership, this style might consider the input from team members. However, if the input conflicts with existing policies, the leader will most likely reject it anyway. <laughs> That's the bureaucratic aspect of it. Yes, we're going to take a vote. We're going to put these, we're going to, we're going to accept everybody's ideas from the box, right? Give me your ideas. Oh, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. But the policy already states that we leave at five o'clock. I'm not taking any. I'm not taking your 
your suggestions to close at 4.30 because that directly goes against the policy that's already set. That's called bureaucratic leadership and it's ineffective. It promotes a atmosphere where people don't trust you and people don't talk to you because they already know you're not going to take my input serious. You're not going to listen to what I have to say and you're just wasting my time. And then last but not least, that's laissez-faire leadership. A big pet peeve for me is people who shy away from structure. People who shy away from putting things in place from an organized perspective. So laissez-faire leadership states that in this style, the leaders put nearly all the decision-making power in the hands of their employees. So now what they're doing is, as a leader, I'm going to let you all decide how things go. Because the moment things go wrong, I can now point the finger at you and say, you all put that in place. You all didn't execute what you said you were going to do. There's no ownership there. And that's very dangerous for a leader, CEO, administrator, executive director, a leader of people. That's dangerous. The main focus of our podcast is how can I be introspective and accountable, right? So as we talk about these leadership styles, laissez-faire means that I will put the onus on the employees. And at the end of the day, I guess I kind of hope y'all get it right. (laughs) That's an effective leadership. Keep this in mind. As you are building your company and you, you know, you've listened to the other podcasts. So you have your LLC together, right? You understand the differences of how to formulate the company. You've already written a business plan. You have a budget together. You already have a client list. Or if you're not in sales, you have a product that you are, excuse me, if you're not selling something, you have a service that you're providing to people. Once those things are in place, keep in mind what type of leader you want to be and how you want people to Remember their interaction with you every day. Because that's what I remember. That's what I talk about. And that's what sticks with me when I deal with my team and when I deal with any patient and their families. When they walk away from this conversation, how did they feel about the interaction? So as I close today, I want to make sure we, you know, go over this real quick. Today we talked about different leadership styles. And I want you to keep in mind, it is important that you understand how to become a better leader. We talked about three aspects of it, engaging and having open communication, connecting with your team, and then encouraging personal and professional growth. And then we discuss the seven leadership styles. 
transactional leadership, transformational leadership, servant leadership, democratic leadership, autocratic, bureaucratic, and laissez-faire. Now, nobody says that you have to be one of the seven styles. I think it is important to have a good understanding of what the styles look like and how they exist so that you'll know, depending on your audience, which leadership style you should present, right? Or you should utilize to get the most in that situation. So as I close the day, I'm going to give you all that quote again. And I want to, I want you to keep this quote with you because there's nothing worse than you being a leader of people and you can't or you will not help them. Don't let that be y'all. Okay. I don't want people out there talking bad about you because you had an opportunity to lead your team and you chose not to. Don't do it. Leadership is important. Leadership is the hard part after you formulate it and put your business together. So let's make sure we uh, take stock in who we're building our teams with and how we want to lead them. Thank you all for joining me again. This has been another episode of Do It in the Dark podcast on introspection and accountability. My name is Lavelle Hewitt. Please do us a favor and subscribe and like on YouTube. And that is Do It In The Dark Podcast. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Do It In The Dark with Lavelle Hewitt. Please subscribe and follow us on all social media platforms. Until then, turn the lights off because the work begins in the dark.